So in Exodus chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. And uh, the Ten Commandments are a little more complicated than just what we have in, um, maybe in your home or some piece of art. Uh, they're, they're not just a list. There's things like, um, he says, love, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then he says, um, you shall have no other gods before me. But he then doesn't go, and the second one is, and then the third, like the, the, the Ten Commandments are not bullet points. We've kind of written them out like that. But they're not. He's, he's giving commands. And then when the Ten Commandments are over in Exodus chapter 20, there's more commandments in Exodus chapter 21. And really, I guess we just gave up counting. Because there's more in 22 and 23 and 24, all the way up to 31, where God is having this conversation with Moses about what the people are to look like and how they are to live. But those first two... You shall have no other gods before me. That one's always weird, right? He doesn't say, you shall not think there's other gods right then. He just says, on the hierarchy of gods, make me one. Now, later on, he will say um, that God is the only God, that all other gods are false gods. They're, they're fake but at this point, these people have lived for 430 years in Egypt. And God's always been good at easing people into truth. They've lived with, um, I can't think of Egyptian God, Amun, Ra. Um, they've, they've lived with these other gods that um, have existed. And they just that was a part of their everyday life. And then this God that they refer to as Yahweh, in some translations translated Jehovah, but it's probably best understood as Yahweh. Um, this God that they refer to as Yahweh, they don't, he rescues them and they show up at a mountain and the guy that led them disappears up the mountain. And then they say to themselves, oh, God, turn it. Someday I'm going to turn this on before I hit the button. Someday. It's not today. When the people saw that Moses was long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around and Aaron said, Come, make us... Uh, they gave around Aaron and said, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So, they're not having other gods yet. They will. They'll get there. But the second commandment is do not make an idol, which the way we think about idols often seems like, well, that was all, that's obvious in the first command. Oftentimes we think about idols like they're this thing that we worship. That, it's, that an idol represents a different God. And that different God is a God that's different from the God that, is, that rescued them from Egypt, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that that different God is in competition with God. That's not always how the Israelite people thought of it. And we'll see that in just a second. So he says, come, let's, let's, make, an, let's make, us, uh, make us gods. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Aaron is quite resourceful. 
He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioned it. You know, sometimes you're just good at drawing or sculpting one thing, and I guess Aaron's was a calf. Fashioned it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Oh, my goodness. How ridiculous. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. Now, look at that. Look at that. All right, so I just copied and pasted this from the Bible. I can do that. Just from this Bible, I can copy and paste it on a computer. Look at that. L. O-R-D. Look how all of them are shaped. Now, I know it's been a while since you've been in first grade, but those are all capital letters. Those are capital letters. I guess you learned that in kindergarten. Capital letters. All of them. Now, in your Bible and in most Bibles, if um, in my Bible and in most Bibles, there are, if it is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the Hebrew word that is there is Yahweh. Every time. Um, the way that happened, and I'm going to explain it, and then you can forget it. The way that happened was um, they didn't want to say Yahweh. They thought it was too holy of a name to say. Apparently, I don't think so, but the, uh, they said that we don't want to say that name. Now, they did, but whenever they were um, telling the story, they didn't want to say the name. They wrote the name. It's four little Greek, uh, uh, no, Greek Hebrew letters: Yod, Hey, Wa, and Hey, Yahweh. Um, they they wrote the name, and then they put the. If you've ever read Hebrew, they just put the consonants there, and then they put the verbs above and below. So what they did was they put the consonants for Yahweh, and then the the. Uh, the verbs for the word Adonai to remind them, don't say Yahweh, say Adonai when you read this. Now, if you take the, the consonants for Yahweh and then the verbs for Adonai and just sound them out, you get a word, Yehovah. So Jehovah is just a misreading of, an, of a Hebrew word. Okay, now you can forget it. You'll think, no, I'm going to remember that. And then you're going to go tell someone at work. And you'll be like, okay, so. Nah, I don't know. But they, what happened here is they built this golden calf. And then when people said, oh, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Aaron said, tomorrow with this calf, we're going to have a festival to Yahweh. And that was problematic. It's what got, gets God upset. And the other one would have too. But there are two types of idols. And one is common and one is not so common with us. The one that isn't so common is the one where we have a statue and we think it's a god. You don't ever, like, when someone moves in the house and they're like, hey, well, give us the tour. And they walk it, they're walking through the house. I'm like, this is the master bath, and this is the bedroom, and this is going to be the kids' room. And that's, um, that's Thragnock. Um, God of Thunderships or whatever. <laughs> Transformer. If that's the case, we have a lot of idols in our house. 
We, I mean, we don't, we don't, have, we don't have the, um, <laughs> we don't have, I, I just, it just hit me that I probably should have Googled Thragnock. I don't know if it's a thing. Um, but anyway, Google it. We'll be ignorant together. Um, but that's a, um, like, we don't have those statues. Now, sometimes preachers will try to say, uh, well, you know, what we really worship is money. And what we really worship is power. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We do worship those gods. But we rarely make idols for them. And we rarely bow down to them. We just tie them to God and call them holy. See, the idol that is most common for us is when we create a thing and tie God to it. That is really tough to not do because we're human beings. We need something kind of, we need something to see. God is big and I can't understand God and that is, it, it confounds me and I don't like that all the time. So I need something to make it concrete or wooden. Two types of idols. One is creating God. The other is simplifying God. Boiling God down and creating an image. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at a couple of ways we do that. And we're just going to only look at a couple. We're not going to exhaust the subject. But I want us to be aware that we do it. Because it's, it's, it's quite common. And when we do that, just with, with anything, I mean, have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't like those songs that we sang? Yeah, the, the correct sentence for that is, who cares? Florence just nodded her head for that. And if Florence can nod her head and you disagree, we're all wrong. Florence is right. This, yeah. First amen I've gotten from Charlie in six and a half years. I'm just kidding. And the last. Yes, sir. The, uh, but we have this, we have this tendency to, uh, to make God simpler, and, and it, whenever we make God's... Like, we can't worship if it's not a song I like. Well, who's, who are you worshiping at that point? We can't... We can't um, this isn't church unless church is done the way I like it to be done. Well, what are you worshiping at that point? Now, you may, at the, you may say, well, I'm worshiping God. Well, that's true, but you have simplified this God and made God into a tradition or a, the big word here is hermeneutic, but basically an understanding of Scripture. You've simplified God into like, well, if you don't believe it this way or you don't understand it the way I understand it, or if, I mean, there are, there are brilliant people in the world who disagree with me. 
And those brilliant people recognize that there are brilliant people who disagree with them. And they don't include me in that list. Like, we're, we, there are so many ways of understanding this or that or, or the other. And we're, listen, we're trying our best. But trying your best does not mean you get it perfect. Trying your best just means you're going to try to fail as little as possible. Understanding, I'm going to fail. But we, we get caught up in, in the way we've simplified God, and God's not having it. Look what happens. Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. Now, God has spent the last... Uh, 11 chapters, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. I am the Lord, because you will do this because I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Typically, um, when you worship a God of your own making, you end up doing exactly what you wanted to do in the first place. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down because the people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. This is one of my favorite passages in all Scripture. It sounds like God's a parent here. Calling Moses on Moses' way home. Just wait till you get home and see what your kids did. <laughs> but honey, I thought they were our kids. Your kids. You bought them that thing, and now that thing has destroyed... Are they? That's what's happened. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have, been them, have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. The Bible's unclear at this point whether it's a leg or a cow. That's not true. If you believe that, I'm so sorry to have duped you. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. He's, I'm going to start this over. These people are nuts. God's not having, God's not going to be bound by your understanding of God. God is not going to be bound by your theology. God's not going to be bound by your, your understanding of Scripture, although read away and understand away, but God's not bound by you. The way you understand it to be is not going to be the end of it all. It's not going to be the last of the discussion. God is bigger than you. And thank God that He is. Because when, when you build the calf, when you say, oh, well, this is, this is a golden, this is God here. This is the thing I understand God to be. And, and what always ends up happening is someone says, well, what if God is something else? You say, no, God's that. Now, at first, you may just think, well, that's the sort of a thing that represents God. But typically, the things, the signs that point you to God 
you end up worshiping eventually. And so anytime anybody gets out, calf shape theology. Say, oh, no, no, no. You're a, creating a purity test often. Well, if you don't believe this way, then I think you're um, intellectually dishonest or that you're um, just trying to get something of, of your own or you're trying to profit off of this or what. We, we, we think people's motives are bad when they get outside of our calf-shaped God. God is not the shape of a calf. God is not the shape of a cross. God is the shape of the man that was on the cross. We spent thousands and thousands of years trying to follow God and then not grasping it. And you know, it was tough for them because they, they understood that God rescued them from Egypt. And back then they had gods for everything. Uh, Ra was um, the, the, god of sun, the sun god, I believe. Amen, I'm not sure. God of agreeing with someone in church. Um, the, uh, that's a good joke, and y'all, it's all on you. I just thought of it. I'm, get, I'm taking credit for it. Um, they, they had gods for everything, and God, for them, all their experience for, for Yahweh as a, as a group of people was He rescued them from Egypt. He, was, he lit a mountain on fire. They, they crossed the Red Sea. They conquered Jericho. They, they, these farmers and these slaves became warriors when this God was in the camp. And so He's the God of war. And they go in and they conquer, they conquer Canaan because God's in their camp, the God of war. And they go to these Canaanite people and they say, my goodness, this place is beautiful. And they say, oh, it's because of the God of rain. The God of agriculture. His name's Baal. And they would say, oh, oh, okay. Um, all right, well, so God. And then they started joining the two. They, they, well, yeah, Baal's God and God's Baal and Asherah's God and Asherah's Baal. But, you know, it's all the same. And God will not be summed up. We will constantly be chasing it. That's why it's so sad to me when people have it all figured out. That is so sad. That makes me hurt for them. Because then they're not exploring or chasing or seeking the gospel. They're just defending it. They've taken a stance at the edge of the gospel that they have drawn out and said, I want to make sure nobody gets in here that doesn't belong in here. You defend the gospel, it's just going to wear you out. Because what are you doing? You're just defending what you know. You're defending what God is to you. And let me remind you, it does not matter what God is to you. That doesn't affect God, right? Like God doesn't change because you think of God differently. God is God however you think of him. And we spent thousands of years summing God up, and then God said, let me show you what I look like summed up. And then Jesus walked around 
and loved and poor, the hurting, the sick, those who had been cast out by society, those who were a different race than him. He walked around and consistently interacted with those people and showed us what God cares about. So we have all sorts of golden things that we worship. And we say, oh, well, that's something God, that's what kind of, I mean, you sum up God this way. If Jesus hasn't entered into the equation, we're, we don't see God clearly at all. We, we have to understand God through the lens of Jesus. Now, if God, God I mean, obviously, God is going, there's going to be parts of God that I don't understand. Like, Jesus didn't come and say, well, let me tell you where God came from. Now, some of you are very churchy, and you'll say, oh, well, he just always was. And I say, yeah, that's true, but I don't get it. If that doesn't confuse you, you're not thinking about it hard enough. Now, you don't have to think about it hard enough, but if you're going to think about it, do it hard enough to confuse yourself. Because it's confusing. God just, he just always was. Okay. God, Jesus didn't explain that to me. Jesus didn't come to explain. Like, people, people come to me and say, well, what's it, what's it like? What happens when someone dies? I have a guess. But Jesus didn't lay that out real clearly either. In detail. And even when he did, we're not sure if he was laying that out clearly or just using what the people listening to him understood so that they didn't miss the point. Jesus didn't come to explain all of God. But Jesus comes and through Jesus, just his actions, his life, his teachings, his sacrifice, his conquering of death, we know all we need to. Now notice I'm not saying we know everything about God, but we we know all that we need to know we can find in Jesus. And, and it's not freeing. Like you, you may think, oh, well, he just wants you want us to love everybody, and we know what you're getting at, Benjamin. Love your neighbor. That's what Jesus said. Yes, that's a, that's not freeing. You know what's really easy? Super easy. Super easy. Just take all the thoughts that you thought, and all the things that you think are right. And tie those to God and make knowing and thinking and having those opinions important to worshiping God more than anything else. And then you will just get to exist. Because God isn't somebody that's pressuring you to love the other. God is pressuring you to just be exactly who you were in the first place. It was always confused me whenever um, people would say, well, I don't really agree with that author, so I don't read him. 
or her. Well, why don't you just sit in a dark room then? If you're only going to read the things you think, then just think the things. Don't waste the money and buy the books. Be challenged. And God's going to challenge you. Loving people is way harder than checking the boxes of church. Oh man, it's hard. People, guys, just between us. People are the worst. There's, oh, we're so different. We're so different from each other. And that's okay. That's great. It's challenging. We've got to love each other like that. That's just love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. That's all we do. And you're going to spend the rest of your life getting good at that. And it's going to be hard. Way harder than having a festival to worship the thing that you've boxed God into and then um, eating and drinking and revelry, just doing what you wanted to do in the first place. But when we call you to Jesus, we're calling you to a team that asks more of its uh, players than anybody. We're calling you to a group that asks more of its participants than any other group. Because there's no checks. There's just attitude and love. C.S. Lewis put it like this, just because you make one good tennis shot, I've said, I'm sure he said it more eloquently than that, just because you make one good tennis shot does not make you a good tennis player. A good tennis player practices the movements over and over again until they're second nature. But one lucky shot, one lucky encounter where you love somebody, that's great. Build on that, but don't consider yourself having arrived. Because if we're going to be following Jesus, we're going to be following. We're never going to catch up to Jesus and get to the place where we feel like, oh, well, I guess I'll lead too. Follow the king. And today, today we're saying, when we make an invitation, we say, come forward and follow the king. Unite with him in his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. Raise to be walking in newness of life. Be, be proud of the fact that your life isn't over when it's over, that you're going to come back. That you're going to resurrect. That his death makes you free of your sins and his resurrection brings you, brings you into the good news of new life. We know that, and we're responding to that this morning to follow the one that God sent to represent him. So come back the next couple of weeks because we're going to spend some time looking at some specific things that we, um, and I promise there are some nerves on this one, some touchy things. Um, I'm probably not going to touch all of them. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you uh, a couple of things and then, um, and then I'm going to let you figure out the rest. Maybe the Holy Spirit will touch the nerves on Tuesday. That's what I'm hoping. Um, so come back this, uh, these next few weeks as we go through the gods of gold that we tie to God himself. But if you've never decided to follow Jesus, if you've never been united in his death, burial, and resurrection, 
Um, don't just come back next week. Come forward this week uh, while we stand and while we sing.